Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. with his bloody podcasts. everybody, welcome to Turn Chuckle, I hope everyone's doing okay. Um, welcome to first time listeners, I feel like I should probably explain a little bit about myself and the show. Uh, Turn Chuckle is predominantly an old school wrestling podcast. Um, myself and Colin Delaney uh, host a show called Turn Chuckle Raw, where we uh, take the you know fabulously original idea of doing commentary over a show so you can have a watch along. Uh, we do Monday Night Raws from the start. And I am a huge, huge, huge 1993 fan, uh, but like sort of really WWF from about um, 82 to just before the Attitude Era, because like I, don't get me wrong, I grew up during the Attitude like I, I got into wrestling in 1992 and I loved it and then I continued to love it through the Attitude Era and I probably was watching WWF and WWE pretty hardcore until about 2008. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably dropped out for, like, various reasons during that time, and, you know, I still watch it now, but, like, not, not 
too often, but in terms of like being an old school fan, I am an old school fan. Um, I want to thank anyone who's joined the Instagram page, uh, Turn Chuckle, where I uh, post pictures like really crazy shit from my collection. Uh, it's not like a self-congratulatory back pattern thing, because like, I, I see Instagram pages where people do that, and it's just like, oh god, it's like a dick measuring contest. Like, I do it because, like, well, I find it fun, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like, hopefully you do as well, and, you know, you get to see some shit that maybe you've never seen before. Um, you know, I, I've interviewed guests in the past, um, and they, they've all been under the name of the other podcast that I have called Pablo's Poppin' Podcast, which interviews, you know, actors, authors, filmmakers, musicians, uh, but it also, I've been, you know, very lucky enough to uh, interview wrestling personalities as well, like Ahmed Johnson, uh, Jameson, uh, Rick Bogner, who was the fake Razor Ramon, Tom Buchanan, the longtime photographer, of course, Colin Delaney, um... Uh, Bertrand Hebert, who was the co-author of Pat Patterson's biography, and and more that don't come to mind quite now, quite right now. Um, so I've decided to brand it all as Turn Chuckle, and the point of the the uh, Instagram page is to try and drive people to the podcast, which you know, hopefully, hopefully it's working. Um, and you know, it, it, I make no apologies for liking the shit that I like. You know, <laughs> you know, like WrestleMania Nine is one of my favorite events. I'm gonna get that out of the way right now. Um, and it, we've just passed the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 9, and there will be, with my friend Billy, because trying to find someone to watch WrestleMania 9 with the volume down, um, is quite hard. So my friend Billy, who's, who's incredibly entertaining, we, uh, will be watching it with me, and, uh, we'll be doing a, a special watch-along episode. Like, I know a ridiculous amount about that event. Uh, in terms of backstories and in terms of like real life situations that led into the event you know some of it you'll know some of it you may not know um but if you want to hear someone be very just even for the curiosity factor of someone genuinely loving everything about wrestlemania 9 um who can justify the finishes and all that kind of stuff then uh, do check it out i'll be doing it for big events um and on the facebook page i uh write things that are just kind of of interest to me like i you know I find that some pages are a little too negative in terms of like posting lists of like top 10 worst this and shit like that and I understand that that's the type of thing that gets clicks but I need to like what I'm writing about otherwise it's just going to be you know just awful I think um so you know there there is a four part write up on everything you may have not known about WrestleMania 9, I'm very passionate about it. and not just WrestleMania 9, but it's it tis, tis the season, you know um, and it's also, you know, like the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, the album so I'm writing up a, a bit of a thing about that, you'll you'll learn some crazy shit, um, you know I learned some shit, you'll learn some shit um, so yeah no, I, I just try to have fun with it and just try to you know wrestling is, uh, it's it is a passion I never, I've no, I probably did want to be a wrestler at one point, I think, but then I realised that I'm too fat and lazy and out of shape, um, and you know, <laughs> and too steeped in nostalgia as well. That's the thing. Like, I'm, I, I don't think I'm a hipster because I never, or like, you know, ironic or anything like that, because I never stopped liking that stuff. I just didn't grow up. Basically, I'm, I'm basically Peter Pan or Michael Jackson, apart from the alleged, you know, goings on that happened. Um, so yeah, um, I've got friends at WrestleMania, 
Um, I'm, I'm very jealous of them because they're going to get to go to Access. And I watched the video of Triple H and Stephanie walking around Access and, um, you know, the, some of the cool memorabilia that you get to see and um, the figure unveilings as well because I'm a big wrestling figure collector. And um, what, were, what was unveiled? I mean, the, the, there is a page on Instagram of this guy who seems to... He must live outside of Mattel's offices and just like dig through their bins just to you know find prototypes and stuff because I don't know how he gets this information but they unveiled the King Harley race figure which was a surprise because King Duggan's been um, not confirmed but uh, heavily heavily rumored um, but it turned out to be a King Harley race so obviously I'd, I'd imagine that they'll be using the crown and cape more often maybe on a haku and stuff like that but maybe the the Duggan that they're planning is maybe the singlet Duggan in his, you know, 1993 singlet, you never know. Um, it, it, I'm talking figures, this may not appeal to many people. <laughs> uh, they also unveiled a, a 1996 fat, you know, um, you know, Bible thumping Jake the Snake Roberts, which I think is amazing because, like, Jack's attempted one about what, 15 years ago now, and I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now, and they did a very poor job of it, I think if Jax would have made Jake, that Jake later on, they would have put a bit more effort in when they had, like, the right body parts, but it's not even the right colour gear and stuff like that, so, um, what, what was the other big reveal, there was something else, um, oh, well, there was the Austin to match the Jake, and there was, like, a, a build, a figure set with uh, JJ Dillon, which comes with, uh, you know, Flair, Sting, Luger, and uh, Booker T, I think, which is, I think is pretty cool. So, yeah, so that that gives you an insight into the kind of shit that I'm into. Like, I'm, uh, I'm currently watching the Saturday night shows on uh, the network and loving it, but although, um, God, I don't know too much about WCW really, but, like, fucking... That dude who hosts it with Jim Ross after Jesse Ventura does the first show. Good God, he is the most boring person in the world. People may be thinking this about my podcast and they may be thinking, get to the interview already, but, you know, um, <laughs> I'm very self-aware. I'm British, so I'm self-aware and self-deprecating, so it's fine. Um, but, yeah, whatever. Um, but I'm very much enjoying the network. The network is getting to where it needs to be for me. <laughs> um, but the dream for the network is uh, for them to put the alternate commentary from the events from 93 and 94 with WWF Radio, so it was like Monsoon and Jim Ross, apart from Mania 10 where Ross was gone and they had uh, Chet Kopic, who was like a sports broadcaster, I think he still is as well, uh, like he ring announced at WrestleMania 2 and um, he announced at WrestleMania 10 and then he hosted Fashion Mania at WrestleMania 13. Um, so, you know, very tenuous links, but um, yeah, Chet Kopic. It must be a friend of Vince, I guess. And Vince does, like, real personalities from TV and radio, I guess. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of fun. So my guest today, anyway, is uh, David Starr. Uh, probably one of the top indie names in the world at this point. Um, he wrestles all over the world, and, you know, he he's a lot of fun. Like, I've, I've, we've talked to him before, and he's a friend of Colin uh, Delaney's as well. And, um he's a fan as well like it's just how relatable he is like I, I couldn't imagine how long how well I'd get along with him um and just chat the shit basically and it, it's a fun conversation I think um so and I hope everyone enjoys it it's I try not to I, my interview style I you know because I'm not a trained interviewer as you may guess um but the the beauty about podcasts is that you can 
kind of make it as niche as you like or make it as natural or unnatural as you like you can do anything you like basically and you may find you may be lucky enough to find an audience i just try to have conversations and try to try and bring the listener in on the conversation like to me i'm not talking to an audience i'm talking to you one person um and hopefully you you do enjoy the podcast and if you do do check out the archives uh do check out the sponsor as well 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain if you do have back pain or if you know someone who does send them to the link to buy the book and it's also available as i found out recently in barnes and noble uh in america and uh, you can buy it on Kindle as well. It helps. You know how it is. You listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I don't quite know how I've managed to get a sponsor when I'm not really like known at all. And, and I don't know how I've been able to get really cool guests. I'm, I'm just lucky, I guess. Um, as my cat walks into the room. Um, so yeah, no. Do check out the uh, do check out the book. It is very good. Um, you know, and I'm not just saying that because he's a sponsor. He's a, you know, he's a friend. He's a collaborator. We've worked on music together. Uh, we'll be playing the Cavern Club together in May, so uh, May 17th and 17th and 18th. If anyone's listening from Liverpool, um, if you would like to support the show in other ways, obviously, I mean, there's a big green button on top of the uh, Patreon on top of the Podbean page, uh, which is basically give me free money if you like. Um, obviously i don't expect it i mean maybe i should push it a little bit harder but i don't expect it like what i would rather you do is check out 15 uh actually no do, do check out the sponsor but check out my music as i bang stuff uh check out toxic melons if you like sort of crazy pop with lots of melody and harmony and arrangement and stuff like that to toxicmelons.bandcamp.com there is there will be a link below the show um again it helps keep me running um, and I really, really appreciate it. And hopefully it means I can continue continue to bring you really cool guests. Um, I do listen uh, after the interview because I will be announcing some guests coming up, which may be of interest to you. Um, but for now, and I'm still kind of tinkering with the um, the format of Tone Chuckle, because um, it's going to eventually have a new theme tune, because I'm, I'm using the Pablo's Pop and Podcast theme tune. Um, it'll have a new, ad, like a specifically designed advert for the sponsor. I want to include different features and stuff like that. Uh, but one thing, because I'm very lucky to be, this sounds more arsy than it is, but I'm kind of well connected with a lot of musicians in LA who are like doing some really cool stuff and it means that I get to play some really cool music on the podcast and I don't get in trouble for it which is really nice uh, so yeah I want to introduce you to uh, Chris Price an LA based artist actually no he's from Florida and he moved to LA um, and he's worked with everyone you know um, from Beck to like artists like Linda Perhacks, Emmett Rhodes people who you may not know but who like if you don't a lot of people do, I promise you. Uh, and Chris has released three incredible solo albums. Uh, he will be a guest again coming up soon. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with him too. And uh, before we go into the interview with Mr. David Starr, this is English Gardens by Chris Price. <laughs>
Okay, so this week with me on Turntruckle, I have, uh, returning to the show, possibly the hardest working wrestler in the world. He wrestles all over the world. He's one of the hottest indie names on the scene. He is a cat lover. He... <laughs> and and he's a and he's an all round cool son of a bitch. It's David Starr. How are you doing today? What's up, man? I like that intro. I might I might just have ring announcers start doing that one. All around cool. I feel like <laughs> just just uh, you know all around cool dude. Whatever likes cats. Like it's just a really nonchalant introduction. Like can you imagine <laughs> if a wrestler if a wrestler uh, had just like nonchalant introduction as his thing. Like he was just kind of like, yeah, like, like every podcast guy who if they introduced me and they don't use my nicknames. They do. They try and do an introduction similar to that. So it's kind of funny how, how that would be if someone was <laughs> introduction that way. Well, I did say that it would take the entire um, hour to, you know, go through all your nicknames. Um, so yeah, I did it with, I did it, I did it on a uh, Smallman's pop podcast on uh, jim smallman's podcast the tuesday night jaw uh, um we did we started the first like 45 minutes is just talking about each one of my nicknames and going through like the meeting and stuff <laughs> and so does does each nickname have a t-shirt yet uh. no but you know that's something i do want to do i've always wanted to have a design for every nickname um now i'm just i'm putting uh shirts out that have like all of my nicknames listed like i think i've kind of found what my shirt will be like the one I just try to always have on me or yeah. always be selling the one with my logo on the front and all my nicknames down the back. Um, <laughs> that's the one that I think will be like my official shirt, but I'm having a different nickname shirt set up for, for uh, new Orleans as well. So I'll have different versions available. I think, um, I think the nicknames thing is kind of like uh, becoming my thing, like more of my thing. Like people recognize me more for the nicknames than almost anything else. Now that's what I get. Like when I hear feedback from fans, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, Something to me, me just me just being an Apollo Creed fan led to like what people know me as. <laughs> <laughs> so who gives you the? I mean, because obviously you must come up with uh, a lot of them, but do uh, friends and family just come up with things as well, even if they're derogatory? Oh, <laughs> uh, like adding their own little special ones. Like small one, Jim Smallman added uh, the circumcised savior. Oh, wow, Jim Smallman getting a lot of getting a lot of airtime on this podcast you know come on now um uh, good dude. i want to see him perform live too i haven't gotten to see his stand-up stuff yet uh but um yeah each nickname has a meaning each nickname has a purpose each nickname has an origin obviously yeah uh and yeah it's 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 i, I like the thing i like about doing it like one yeah because i'm a huge rocky fan and i love the Apollo Creed character and that and Rocky Four when he was all in the game the greatest thing I think yeah. um, so like it's cool that I've set that up because now all the stuff that I my have my character gone through I can have a little piece of me attached to it all yeah. always you know like so that's one of the things that's kind of cool I'm just a super mark for stuff like that because as a fan I'm a mark for that so I guess I just make that <laughs> that's something I like. I like I like a character that grows and oh. changes, and you see it, and you see them kind of develop like good life, you know. Yeah, that that um, that scene on Rocky Four when he's uh, when James Brown singing Apollo Creed, um, and he's coming down <laughs> from. Yeah, I I've had as a child I had nightmares about that because you know what's gonna come, and like no matter how many oh. times I watch it, like I just wish that there was like an alternate ending to that where he just 
doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't get beat to death <laughs> in a boxing ring. In, a, in an actual legal like commission sporting <laughs> event, he was beat to death. <laughs> well, it, it was the Cold War, you know. It was, you know, shit was heavy, man. If he dies. If he, he dies. dies. Um, and, oh, you, well, you know that Creed, uh, the Creed 2 is coming out, and it, isn't it meant to be uh, Drag- oh, saw, Drago's son? <laughs> yeah, come on, man. I was so mad when I saw that. No, I, I mean, they better have written one hell of a script, because I tell you what, that doesn't start me off on the right foot, to be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I love I love all the Rockies, and I love the first Creed. Oh, I just, even, I, Rocky, I think, even Rocky Five. Um. No, no, not really. I didn't really like Rocky Five that much, but okay. I still, I still, I was still able to watch it. I don't think it, some people make it out to be like the most unbearable movie ever, and it's not, it's not unbearable. And maybe that's because I do just love the series and I love the characters, and it's a Philadelphia movie, so I mean, I am a little biased towards it. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it. I don't think Rocky Five is that bad. I just watched. I, I mean. It's not good, don't get me wrong, but it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Um, I just watched uh, a movie on the, pl- on the plane when I was coming back from uh, London. Uh, uh, I watched a movie about John Adelson, or, uh, oh man, I might be saying his last name wrong. He's the director of Rocky One, and he directed, um, he directed Rocky Five as well, but he also directed The Karate Kid. Oh, and really? he was like, yeah, he did a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and it showed like this, like basically a documentary on him and who he was. And they were, they said like that he wasn't as popular as he should be because I guess he never really caved in the studio heads and didn't, he didn't really play politics. He just kind of like did his thing. And, uh, but yeah, he directed Rocky one and Rocky five. And when he talked about Rocky five, he said that originally Rocky was supposed to die at the end of Rocky five. Shut up. Really? Yeah. That's what they originally had. And then, they just changed it and said they didn't want to. And I think they changed it because out of the idea that they wanted to possibly keep the franchise alive. Uh, well, the thing that I heard about Rocky Five, uh, I'm sure Sylvester Stallone said within the series, you kind of have to forget that Rocky Five exists and move straight from four to Rocky Balboa. Because, uh, you oh, know, wow. by Rocky Balboa, he's not as broke as he is in Rocky Five, and he has a restaurant, and he's, you know. Um, yeah, but he could have. Did they mention how, that he had gotten money, earned money back in some way? Oh, did they really? So, okay. So. I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just saying, I don't remember Balboa that much. I saw Balboa one time and I liked it. Uh-huh. Um, and I'd be totally open to watching it again. Uh-huh. But to be honest, to be honest, Creed is, so, is. I remember watching it both. I watched that the first time. Uh-huh. And Creed was far and away better than Balboa. Yeah. And Creed. Is just a great. I think Creed is up there with Rocky Two. Wow. Okay. I think one and two are the two best. And one I think, and two are the two I, best. Yeah. And I think one's number one's the best one, and two is the second best. I think Creed might be three. Uh, see, I'm, I'm I'm not afraid to say as well that um, twice um, Rocky movies made me cry. One when Mick died. Um, oh yeah! No oh my doubt. God, that was like the saddest thing ever. And uh, two, yeah. when I went to see uh, Rocky Balboa at the cinema, that was the first Rocky film I ever saw at the cinema. And just when the big 
font, the Rocky font, came across the screen. Yeah. I, I was just, it was like when, like, I don't know if you went to see Toy Story 3 at the cinema. Like, as soon as that started. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I'm, I'm already just a, a mess. You know, like, I'm, cry. I feel totally quiet. Oh, God. I went, definitely yeah, I went to see it in 3D the second time around so I could wear the glasses and so I could just cry behind the glasses so no one would notice. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was still bad. And there's um, on YouTube, uh, someone re-edited Toy story and showed it to uh their wife I, I think and do you know the bit where they're all holding hands and they're about to go into the furnace and it looks like it's gonna you know be the end for woody and, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah 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 well someone re-edited it so that it's on that scene and then it just fades to the credits <laughs> and oh no <laughs> And she believed that that's how it actually ended as well. It was, you, it just was... assume, you just assume that they just die. Yeah. Like, that point, that's it. Uh, but yeah, no, that was that was so cool. But uh, yeah, no, speaking of um, being hit hard, was Hardcore Holly oh. the toughest um, wrestler that you've ever faced? Or did he hit you harder than... Because you've done some crazy shit in the ring. Um, but, <laughs> but a chop yeah, from I've Hardcore Holly... I've hate I hate myself enough to damage my body. As much. Yes, <laughs> but a, ch- a chop just from hard a chop <laughs> a chop from hardcore Holly though had to be up there as one of the more painful things. Yeah, and yeah. It, it didn't help that I wrestled Walter the night before, uh-huh. and my chest from the match with Walter, <laughs> I'll say this much, was the one at Fight Club. It was um it was the February twenty third. I want to say is when I wrestled Walter at Fight Club. Yeah, um and. He, that was my chest opened up oh. from him chopping me. So like, uh, and then the next day I wrestled uh, Hardcore Holly and yeah, and you know he chops too. He's a yeah, he's a tough guy. What a what a dude, I'll say this much: Hardcore Holly is the coolest though. Like he was such a cool dude. Yeah, and I was really expecting him to be like more of a hard ass, but then he was the man. Like mm-hmm. he he's a tough he's a tough son of a bitch. But he, what a great wrestler and just like a super cool dude. Uh, very, very like open to conversation and like talking about the match and very and very good at giving advice and feedback. And uh, just what a just what a pro, dude. I loved I loved my experience with Hard Crawley. Yeah, I, I got to meet him uh, last year as well. And um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect because. Like, admittedly, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Hardcore Holly, but I also love, you know, the period when he was, like, Sparky Plug and when he was Bombastic Bob and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, sure, and sure, yeah. He, he yeah, was, you like all those old school, all those characters. Like I, that. I do, I do. Um, And he was, like, I think he was embarrassed that I was asking him about, well, I, I, I got him to sign, like, a new Midnight Express picture, and um, I was asking him about, about his racing jacket from when he, um, when WWF had the uh, racing car and all that kind of thing and he was kind of I, I think he was like not confused but like shocked and maybe slightly scared that I was like genu- genuinely marking out of a you know New Minute Express and you know spark, <laughs> Sparky Furman plug and all that kind of stuff but yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah good dude um and he um because he did a he did a one-man show and um he, I mean, he, he loved his time in Smoky Mountain as well, and he talked a lot about that, and that was that was a pleasure to hear. Um, so yeah, no, a really good dude, and you've got to be the only person, maybe in the world, who within what a month has faced Hardcore Holly, 
and Jushin Thunder Lager. Like, I mean, what the oh, fuck? Yeah. Like that, that... Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I didn't <laughs> that's cool. Like, if you threw a dart at a dartboard with wrestlers' faces on, I don't think you could get two more random um, names than Hardcore Holly and Jushin Thunder Lager. But, like, at the same time, just as legendary in their own way. So, I mean, like, sure. you know, this is coming... Because, obviously, I'm not a wrestler, but I'm... And, I hate to sort of, you know, uh, push the door open too much on kayfabe and all that kind of stuff. But do you really have to change your style and, you know, your even your personality, depending on who you're in the ring with? You know, just using those two as examples. Um. Well, I mean, like, I, I really, it really depends. Like, I'm gonna be what I what I need to be to get the story of the match across the best way, right? Yeah. Like, that's my job. Right, I, and then and the other part of it is I have to know my character inside and out to be able to uh, react exactly how I feel my character would react in a situation. You know what I mean? So you got to really delve deep, which makes it, which is why I think because it's easier, which is why you know like people like Jim Ross have said that the best characters are really just yourself with the volume turned up. Yeah, uh, that's like a thing, and you've heard that on WWE shoot like interviews and like document documentaries on specific, specific wrestlers. Yeah, where a lot of people have expressed that, and I think that's because it makes it easier to connect with your character because your character really is just you that's going to react with a lot, just a lot bigger on purpose to make a show of it, right? So I think that makes it easier because you know how you would react, so you're just kind of acting in the moment like you're just reacting like you're literally reacting yourself just putting yourself as that you know um with the with the artistic license of pro wrestling uh so uh, i get i guess it i guess it varies little bits but it every it varies with every everybody you know i always have to act differently depending on what i'm supposed to be getting across depending on what the story overall is all that stuff so i'm gonna act accordingly and if that varies between Hardcore Holly and Liger, then yeah, I guess so. Against Hardcore Holly, I was kind of a baby face. Against Liger, I was a heel. Yeah, I was you know? going to... So that, that's uh, different. Yeah, I was going to ask that, whether you have to... Um, whether you're requested to be a heel or a face, depending on which company you work for, or if that is just for each company you work for, you are just the face of that company or the heel of that company sort of thing. Um, well, I mean, it, it doesn't really make a difference for for me because uh, you're not changing yourself. Underst- yeah, you got to understand. Yeah, you got. Well, you also have to understand where you're at. So, like with with Hardcore Holly, I was a I was a face, but I but he was more liked, and I knew that he was going to be. They know him more. You know what I mean? Like it's Hardcore Holly. <laughs> it's like he's the man. Yeah. So and, I, and they know who he is. So um, I was a face, but I still took like. Uh, like I was less, I was more willing to be like kind of shaky with the rules, I guess. You know mm. what I mean? Like, uh, because I knew that I needed that. Like he was going to be the, the baby face of the man. I knew that. So yeah. it wasn't that much of a, uh, you know, like I'm still sticking to what I'm doing. Uh, I'm still telling us, telling a story, I guess, you know, but I know that he's the guy people came to see. And same with Liger. Like, you know Liger's the guy everyone came to see. So you just highlight that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Liger seemed really... 
out of the blue. Like, did did you find out about yeah. like sort of um... totally? I found out when they announced it. <laughs> oh shit! Right, which was super cool. I was like, oh wow! Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! I think I actually got it. I was at a show, and I think I I got the the tweet or something. And I was like, holy! I was like, whoa! I, I forget who I was around. I, I think I was in the UK, uh, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" I must like Liger. <laughs> yeah, that that's insane. That and, cool. and the thing is, though, he hasn't lost a step either. Like, and when you consider that he's had, you know, he had like a brain tumor as well, and all sure. kinds of things going on, and he's still he was so cool. Yeah, and he was great. I and dude, I'm pumped. Like, I took his surfboard and I took the Liger bomb. What's up? <laughs> That is really cool. Um, one one thing that I wanted to sort of ask, and you're probably sort of sick of talking about it, um, but but it's kind of it kind of relates to me as a fan because I I don't know where I stand on certain things, and having your point of view will would probably help. Um, but you, you posted last year about um, and I'm not going to mention names, but uh, a wrestler who um, played a stereotypical Jewish character and you made sure. your you made your feelings like very much known about it and you're quite right too as well um and i've had sort of conversations because as you know i'm kind of into like the older characters and stuff but a lot of those characters especially the foreign characters are stereotypical foreign characters and it's like i don't know if i'm wrong to like the stereotypical foreign character, you know what I mean? Like, sure, sure, sure. Like, you know, obviously they don't stand up. Now I don't I, think you could do it now. Um, but how do how do you feel about that? Like, is it does it work? Like how for do a, I reconcile being? How do I reconcile basically being a lifelong wrestling fan? Yeah, and then seeing and enjoying that at one point in time, most likely as a fan, and my, and obviously I didn't. Uh, well, I think here's the thing. I think there's people that are surrounded by enough diversity and they know and and the knowledge of something being an act. And I think growing up like me, like I was most of my friends growing up were black and I and I had and I started off as a Jewish kid with about with all with all Jewish friends when I was really little. Yeah. And then when I went to public when I started going to public school, I was most of my friends ended up being black, but I also had, I played uh, lacrosse, which was a predominantly white sport. And so I had like white friends there too. And I also played peewee football. And then we were pretty, when we were kids, we're all kind of like, uh, it's, it's pretty much 50, 50. And then, uh, it's from, so I had, a, I had a lot of diversity, including like Hispanics and I had a couple of gay friends and whatever, like it was pretty much a mixed bag of everything where I came, where I came up. So everything was pretty much accepted. Yeah. Um, at for, like until I didn't really find any of that stuff until I was in, uh, in in college. But uh, like anti-Semitism, that's really when I started facing that. Yeah. But uh, and I found out that was still a real thing. Um, as far as watching stereotypical characters, when I was growing up, I was again like I was fortunate enough to have that kind of experience where it was very diverse and I was kind of comfortable with it. So I understood it was just a character that didn't mean anything. But there's a lot of people that aren't that way. There's a lot of people, a lot more people that aren't exposed to different groups. Um, and I think that especially the guy, like what I pointed out earlier this year at the end of last year, which I know it was on New Year's, I think. Yeah, so the beginning of this year. Um, 
it, he wrestles in front of like kids and families. Uh, like, and they, and imagine you're that little Jewish kid and you see him doing that and like making a mockery of who you are. And he's not a part of that community. You know what I mean? Like he's not. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's like, it's one thing if you've gone through it, then I guess you kind of have the right to, to like do what you feel with it, I guess, you know, whatever. Um, but he doesn't, uh, like he doesn't have that right to make, to make light in that way and, and to basically bastardize our people when it comes to uh, that with little kids. If you're a Jewish kid, he gets put down by thinking of himself that way. If he's not a Jewish kid, he thinks, oh, that's how Jews are and that's how I treat them. Like, it's just not a good look. It's not necessary. And this idea that, oh, it's wrestling, uh, it's, un- it's just unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if... See, I, that... I guess it's hard. It's hard. I don't know how to reconcile with that as far as like older characters that might have been stereotypical. I guess the thing is though, like if he was, if you're like a champion of that group, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there can be a like a gay a gay character that isn't the person's not actually gay who's playing the character, yeah. right? Like um, that's the case. I, I mean, in progress, my character is is well. I mean, I guess at least bisexual or gay or whatever i'm in a relationship with jack sexsmith in that in that <laughs> yeah. promotion right uh, so like i but i'm not gay yeah you know so that's kind of i mean that's a lot that you're allowed to do stuff like that so i'm not saying like no one who's oh, well, like, someone's not jewish they can't play a jewish character i'm saying that you don't have the right to to put forth the stereotypes like that and and just perpetuate those without being a part of the community. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. With that. So you can be a champion of them. So like he, anybody, if like, let's just say for whatever reason, like Zack Sabre Jr. was, was Jewish. Uh, he would, he would be a Jewish character. I'm a, my character, like in real life, I'm Jewish, but my character is also Jewish. But other than my logo, you wouldn't know that by my wrestling. There's yeah. nothing that I do that goes, other than my name and my logo. So I just pay homage to it. And I'm just open about the fact that I'm Jewish. But it's it, Jewish Jewish characters or other characters like Native American characters or Italian characters or Irish or whatever nationality or race or religious character, Muslim, whatever, like they can be championed. It doesn't have to define the character in and of itself. Yeah. You know, you don't have to portray stereotypes. Um and there's ways to do that and make it like a babyface kind of character. Like, don't highlight the negatives of that. Of that, you know. And I so I just don't get why that needs a place for it. And I don't know how to reconcile with, <laughs> with not, like, I, wrestling. Yeah, stuff. I mean, to be honest, like I, I don't have an, an issue with it personally. I'm, look, okay, I'm I'm gay, right? And I've there are so many gay characters that WWE, WWF have done and they've all been heels and you know they've all been there to generate heat and be called faggot and all kinds of things you know um, and to be honest I've never been offended by that so I guess I no, d- no 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 but I'm not I'm not but like okay does it ever annoy you when you see someone who someone playing a gay character that's just like over the top flamboyant um, no, not really. I, mean, I think if it's, okay. you know, cause okay. I, 
I've been largely entertained by them. I mean, it, like, I loved the Goldust character because it was, like, the early Goldust character and even the artist formerly known as Goldust. It was, it was risque. You know, but it, he's not, but he wasn't, he wasn't flamboyant. He was like, or, yeah, I know he was, like, but I think more, I thought more of him as, like, bizarre. Okay. Yeah. You know, but like, well, that's it, how they portrayed him. They literally called him the bizarre one, didn't they? But I think it was well. Then it it was open to interpretation. I think like um, like Dalton Castle. You know, he doesn't say that he's gay, and you know, I think it's open to interpretation. And I think he probably enjoys any heat that he gets. If he sure. gets any, but the thing is, though, he's very popular and people love it. So yeah. I think you know, I think wrestling fans are far op- more open-minded than they've been for a long time. And you know, like you are one of the more gay-friendly wrestlers that I've heard of or know. Um, and but without having to resort to you know stereotype kind of things. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like I think yeah. that. I think that uh, I I don't think Goldust is the proper. I don't think Goldust is the proper. That might not uh, have been the best. Ex- that might not have been the Only, best example. Um, I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking like because okay, like well, Billy and Chuck weren't actually gay. Uh, yeah, but they they did like a bunch of like they. But that's more like just like that's more. Those are more like sex jokes to be honest than they are <laughs> like. Um, you know what I mean? All, they did that same stuff with like Triple H and. Trish Stratus at one point. Remember when that whole thing was going on? They had a bunch of like, they did the same thing with Billy and Chuck that they did with uh, Trish and Triple H, though. With, yeah. Uh, so, like, so I mean, in reality, those are just like sex jokes, which are like just risque, not really, not really stereotypical. Uh, but Rico was like super, stereo, like super stereotype. He was, and again, I wasn't. I don't know what it would take for me to really be offended by a. a not necessarily a gay character, but even like a, a flamboyant character that's used to push certain I, buttons, sort of thing. I I don't. Know but what I mean, I'm... like I, I guess I mean if you look at someone like uh, well, like Sonny Kiss, mm-hmm. you know Sonny Kiss is I... he's a wrestler. Do you have you heard of him? No, no, I haven't. Sorry. He's um he's a wrestler in uh he's a wrestler in uh New York. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Great. Uh, he, uh, I mean, I, actually, I don't know if that's even appropriate to call him. He, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, I have a friend who's, he's great though. who's transgendered and wrestles. I've got a friend who is transgendered and wrestles. So, um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure what, what, if, if Sonny, like what, uh, if you know what he would choose to identify as mm. or uh what Sonny would choose to identify as but either way great uh great person great wrestler uh really entertaining um Sonny just acts like Sonny is though yeah you know so I don't know if that would be deemed so I don't know that's just the, that's just who he, who Sonny is so uh it's like the new day I remember uh <laughs> I used to, I was really good friends with a couple, with a couple of people, uh, and they were black dudes that didn't like what the new day were doing. Yeah. Uh, because they thought it was too stereotypical and they thought it was, uh, like that. And I was like, yeah, but what if that's just them being them? 
Like they say, they say in interviews all the time, like, yeah, we told them to let us do what we wanted to do. What if, so that means they decided to act that way. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know. That's, it's a, it's a weird line to walk. Right. It, it, it is. I, I would say that like, like, I, cause you are, you are a wrestler. Yeah. You know, um, in my opinion, I would say that like a lot of wrestlers, whether gay or not, or even playing a gay character or not, or a flamboyant character, know that they probably have a huge gay audience. Not because, like, don't get me wrong. Look, when I started watching wrestling, all the wrestlers were ugly. So you know, <laughs> like wrestling yeah. was wrestling was not the thing that turned me gay. You know, um, but it, it, it's kind of like a weird thing that over the years. <laughs> I, I don't know how it's happened, but wrestlers have gotten better looking over the years. Um, and, you know, I would say that wrestlers probably know that they're getting a reaction from, you know, I, I guess it's like when, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, they were there to get the girls into the arena, you know. Oh, um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, I guess it's because everyone's just becoming more and more open in general. So it's not like, it's not like you have to hide the fact that there are there is an audience of you know gay dudes and les and you know uh, lesbian women or uh whatever you want to call it, whatever like you identify as yeah um you know like we're we're more open to those people in to that type of person in general now which is great like you have more of an open society and everyone's just accepting everybody who they for who they are so there's no reason for anyone to have to feel like they have to be in the closet, like we all accept whoever you are, whatever. This, this, cool. is, Great. this is true. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> so I pointed this out to a friend as well. And um, obviously, and there's been the story in the news about uh, Finn Balor, um, about the suggestion that he could be uh, play an empowered gay character. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's something that was kind of suggested. And I don't know if it was just put out there just to rile some people up or not. But Finn Balor knows no. he has a gay audience. I mean, come on. Like, if you look on his Instagram, sure, sure. you can tell what fucking religion he is when he leans back against the ropes and he has the tiniest, skimpiest, you know, pair of duds on in the world. And just, you know, he... he it, it's it's all there. You know what I mean? It's there for people. Sure. To see. <laughs> and, well, you yeah, know, I don't, I, I think, you know, I think at this point, especially in this day and age, wrestlers understand, yeah, they understand that there's a gay audience and there's, you know, that male wrestlers are appealing to other males. I think there's an understanding of that. Yeah. So everyone has to have your, you have to have your own, you have to have your own uh, sex appeal, I guess, or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I think wrestlers getting better looking over the years is pro would probably be a result of TV being more and more important and that, being presented that way. Mm, that, 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 and again, it, it is what it is though, but do you feel that, like, have you come across like really, really talented wrestlers who just really don't have a look that would work on WWE television and have fought? But, but just because, just because you, your look wouldn't work on WWE television, no, well, mean it wouldn't WWE, work somewhere else. That is that is true. WWE isn't the be all end all, certainly. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think wrestling's certainly missing its, uh, you know, George the Animal Steals and uh, Kamala. There's there's some there's some of them out there. I mean, there's some guys out there that aren't like conventionally good looking. Um, but that was that was very politically correct of you there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, because you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Everyone, <laughs> like, 
There's well, in all seriousness, as corny as that is, like there's everyone finds somebody, like everyone's found good looking by somebody, you know, and and that's and that's cool, and everyone can look the way they're gonna look, and that's what it is. It is what it is. Like go for it, you know. So yeah, not everybody is conventionally attractive. Like it is. That's obviously gonna be the case. But um, I, who would, who's just like a monster? We don't have any just like pure monsters on on the. Uh, independent scene just hairy back and you know just yeah <laughs> an extra limb you know that kind of thing yeah <laughs> i'm too small to be i'm too small to be like a monster you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't do we don't have any we don't have any of those do we i i guess not well see i don't know because again you you wrestle so you probably come across some crazy not, not like yeah, I, I'm saying like not more, not like many uh, top name independent performers are just like yeah, George Animal Steel. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of weird. I was I was talking to this about. We will get on a different subject, but I was. Uh, it's kind of because wrestlers, you know, both male and female, are just generally more, like sort of better looking now than they've ever been. A wrestler's gimmick back in the day, if they were good looking, was that they were good looking. Now you couldn't really have that anymore because there are so many. Oh, uh, people do though. <laughs> a lot of people. Do. A lot of people do the good looking gimmick. Uh, um, especially when they first start, it's like the easy go to. Um, you know, because you can. Every, everyone can relate to. Oh yeah, he's good looking, so he's gonna be cocky, or oh, he's good looking, so he's gonna. He's gonna be a real like a real douchebag, isn't he? Or they go the other, or they go the other way, depending on which way you look at it. Oh, he's so good looking, people will love him. Yeah, you know that's the other way that that goes. Um, it, but it, like you often start as either like pure vanilla baby face or or like most basic bitch heel. <laughs> did you start off like that? Because look, we've all we've I all did. seen we've all seen of course the, I did. Yeah, we've all seen the Calvin Klein photo shoot, you know. Um Dude, of course I started <laughs> out like that because I had no idea what else to do. When I first started I was just vanilla baby face. Uh, which I think is better I think that was but then when I when I first started wrestling as a heel Yeah, I was just like loud, obnoxious, arrogant, you know, like what was the what was the light switch that sort of went off that made you realize that you were going to be a better heel? Was it just being your, an amplified version of yourself, like you say? I just didn't know who I was yet. And I still didn't know. And I, I, you know, you're always constantly discovering who you are. But then I think I've got to, you know, every, every, every time I look back, every day I think I get a better grasp of who I am, who my character is. And each time I go through a storyline, I understand the way I react to stuff and, you know, you just kind of build that personality. Uh, so I, I, as a babyface, when I first started, yeah, I had no idea what my character was. I didn't, the product wasn't invented until the very end of my, like when I first, when I first turned heel in like my first company, which is WXWC4. That's kind of like what I base it on, I guess. Um, when I turned heel there, I'd only been, I'd been, wrestling i went through one storyline as a baby face yeah so like i i i didn't do much it was like kind of like i was that fighting that young hungry fighting kid that just came from the school you know like so i was just baby face who fought back and 
there's nothing to it. Hmm. Um, that's just kind of what it was. And did you um, use the fact that you were the fastest uh, graduate of the Wild Small Training School? Was that a part of your reputation, or is that something that you don't? I think I mentioned it a few. I mentioned it a few times, and actually, we did want to like. I remember we had this whole idea where there was going to be this this angle where it was like, this is so so crazy that I (laughs) still remember. Um, it, this didn't end up happening, uh, but we wanted to do an angle with when I, where I turned here, I joined this group called the culture of charisma and we were going to feud with the wild Swim training center. That was the plan uh, was when I turned because I was tagging with Lance and who's Samu's son all the time. when I was a baby face, him and I were, the, were like a tag team, which every once in a while they would like pair us against the, the couple heels and that would be like their, their main event match. So whatever, it'd be cool. Uh, so um, then uh, I turned heel on Lance, and one of the reasons I wanted to turn heel was that, like the the school didn't show me respect because I'm the greatest student who ever came out of there. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> and the, you know, uh, and then we they were gonna have this graduation ceremony of graduating two of my two of my classmates. They were gonna do it on a show, and they were gonna have me come out, and they were gonna have me like, uh, you know, put just make very very noticeable that I or like uh, really put it out there that I was the best graduate and all that stuff and I was going to like burn my certificate in the ring and this whole like yeah. this whole thing that was supposed to spark a big feud between the group that I just joined and the training center and it would have ended up being it probably would end up being like all of us against like Samu uh, Lance probably like we probably would have wrestled like all those Samoans that would that would have been awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Simones, and you know, um, if I I'm gonna try and interview Lance at some point as well because he seems like a really cool guy. Um, sure, yeah. I like Lance. Um, so yeah, this this week, um, there's some small event happening this Sunday. I, I think I can't remember what they call it. Oh, Wrestle Mania, something like that. Um, Mania, I think it's Mania. Uh, so yeah, I've, 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 I've heard of it. You know, um, they did that one WrestleMania right. in, uh, in Caesar's Palace with the Togas, and you know, uh, <laughs> I heard that they're still doing it now. Um, so yeah, I guess this is like kind of—is this your busiest week generally? Um, but I mean, you work hard all year round. So like, but is this year? Is this week particularly <laughs> sort of? I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be. Uh, originally, I had seven dates, and now I have six. Mm. Uh, but I also picked up a speaking event, too, which is cool, um, with Kayfabe events um, down there on Thursday evening. I think Thursday, like, 5 o'clock. Um, so, you know, it, it's a busy weekend, but this year I feel less overwhelmed than I did, like, last year. Last year I think I did eight or nine. Wow. I think I did eight. But, yeah, it's just so much. And, like, I had four in one day the one time. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Yeah, it's not cool. So this year I have, like, one on the first day. I think I have three on the second day, and then I have two on the last day. So just – and I have all I have all Saturday night to do whatever I want. I have all Sunday. Like, I, the schedule just spread out a lot more. So I'm, I'm, I think this year's going to be nicer to me yeah. as far as not being as busy. Um <laughs> Busiest weekend though, I guess. Maybe I guess it has to be. I mean, how often do you get that many shows consecutively? Uh, like in in a spirit period of three days. Yeah, that's true. And um, how's the shoulder healing up? 
It hurts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of annoying because um, cause if, you know, I, I, wrestling, it hasn't gotten, like, much better. It kind of stayed the same as far as it's just really annoying. Like, I figured that it would it would be really improving with just the icing and stuff that I'm doing, and I'm really not doing much impact to it. But it's still really annoying. Um, it'll be fine to go through. Uh, I'll just put – I've been using this Icy Hot stuff on it, and that's been helping it out quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I'll probably – I'll go through this weekend, and then I'm probably going to get checked by a, a, uh, a real doctor uh, just to make sure because I only saw, like, a physio. And they kind of didn't give, they gave me like a educated guess yeah. as to what they thought it was based on moving me around. Uh, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be good to go. Like I, I went through that one weekend and that was okay. Like it, I mean, it hurt, but it was, it was fine. It was bearable and I'll be able, and I was totally able to perform at a good level. So I feel confident with all that. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where it's at. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure it's okay. Cause I can, I have much more movement than I would if it was something like seriously bad. That's good. Um, so, so you don't have any matches against uh, Papashango coming up, finishing move the shoulder breaker. So. No. Okay. No, okay. No. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I've got to get in old references wherever possible. Um, oh, you have to. Have yeah. To. Um, and you know, you you won't care, but and I don't think anyone else cares as well. But uh, this Wednesday, well, we're recording. It's Tuesday, my time now, which is the third of April. Uh, tomorrow, the fourth of April, um, is the twenty fifth anniversary of WrestleMania nine. Only I oh. give only I give a shit. Um, so I, <laughs> I tried to me uh, me and Colin Delaney. We do the uh, we are. Doing Isn't it. nine considered like the worst wrestling uh, ever? But it's not though. Uh, people need to. Isn't it though? That's what it's widely considered. It's though, generally right? considered the worst WrestleMania. I think because that's the uh, one. That's the one with Yoko and Brett in the main event, and then Hogan wins the title out of nowhere. Yeah, it was kind of a lot of the finishes that really left a sour taste in people's mouths. But I can justify why all you know. It, people kind of I I have told people that WrestleMania Nine is not my favorite. It's probably in my top five favorite WrestleManias. Um, wow. I, I see, and I get that reaction as well. It's either wow or people just think I'm taking the piss, basically. Um, but <laughs> I t- hey, Steiner's Steiner's versus Head Trinkers is dope. Yes, me and Colin have t- uh, talked about that as well. The the power slam spot off Samu's shoulders. Yeah, right? yeah, sick, dude. Incredible stuff. Um, so yeah, now I I love WrestleMania Nine. Fuck anyone who doesn't. Um, but yeah, t- t- if I had to say top five, it would be nine, ten. 14, 17, and, um, ooh, I've stumped myself. Maybe 12. I like 12, but, yeah. 12's good. Yeah. Um, so, any any particular favorite WrestleManias? Oh, I couldn't. I don't think I could. You know, I really like 19. I really like WrestleMania 19. 19's um, underrated, yeah. That's, well, that's Angle and Lesnar in the main, right? And that's with, as Sean and, uh, Jericho and uh, Hogan Vince. Uh, oh, oh, Hogan. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff on 19. I mean, 17 is the one with the TLC match. It is. Uh, it's the only and thing. And 17 is also raw. The only thing that's bad is the finish. The finish, yeah. The Austin and the Rock. The <laughs> Austin and the Rock. The finish is kind of lackluster. It would, it's yeah. Literally... Actually, it's so real, though, isn't it? How sick is that? Like, Stone Cold literally. They, he, the Rock just keeps kicking out of everything. 
And then Stone Cold just beats the shit out of him with a chair, and that's just it. One, two, three. Like, <laughs> yeah, that should be it. <laughs> <laughs> see, if, if I had to say perfect WrestleMania from start to finish, for me, it would be 14. Um, 14 is a good, it's a really good. That's when Austin first wins the title. It was, yeah. And it was just, there weren't too many matches. Every match had just an incredible buildup as well, and just, yeah, it. I loved it, and it was probably the last WrestleMania before I really sort of discovered the internet, so, you know, back then, I didn't really think that Undertaker and Kane would wrestle at WrestleMania, you know, five months beforehand, you just didn't really oh, think, sure, think sure. about that kind of stuff, and that's what made it more exciting, so, you know, basically, down with the internet. <laughs> well, I think the internet has, you know, it, no, the I know. Has, has, its, has its positives and its negatives, I mean, like, uh, as far as booking stuff goes. But when I was a fan, I never, like, I didn't really pay attention to internet wrestling stuff until, whew, uh, so pretty much when I started. Mm-hmm. Is this... Like, a little bit before that. Like, really, 2011. So, yeah. like, summer of 2011 was the first time I started paying attention to anything that there was internet fans talking about anything with wrestling. So that's the thing, you can't really escape it, but I, I do try to because, again, being such such a fan of that sort of early to mid-90s period, it gets destroyed online all the time. So it's kind of like, you know, it kind of like almost makes me feel bad for liking that stuff. So like I have to Dude, kind of... If you if you watch that wrestling, man, it is just, it's not as good. <laughs> well, no, yeah, but... The product itself has gotten oh, no, better. No, oh, absolutely, in terms of in-ring product and stuff like that. But there are things now that really put... WWE, I, I don't want to be that complaining fucking internet wrestling fan, but it's more the production that really sort of gets me at the moment in terms of like, you know, the ring posts being like LED lights and the zoom in and out on the cameras when, you know, striking moves happens and stuff. It's those are the kind of things that really kind of like, I don't know. As opposed to it being the nitty gritty, like it's a camera, there's dudes coming out wrestling. There's a black curtain. They walk out. Like it's much more to the point. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The time that I like as well, because I I grew up during the Attitude Era as well, and obviously, you know, it was heavy on the presentation, but it it wasn't just as I don't know, like, like I I'm not a fan of the interviewer not throwing it back to the commentators. You know what I mean? Just at the end of the interview, like Rene Young or whoever just stands there. Oh, and then sure. Just yeah, that kind of thing. And, yeah. Or when the someone's backstage and they're watching a TV and the TV's angled. Like Matthew from Botchamania picked up on this. Yeah, spot. I saw, I saw the picture. <laughs> and it's just... Yeah, there are f- yeah the, just things like that. Uh, yeah, but I, again, uh, those are probably minor gripes. I'm an old man. I just, you know, need a reason to complain, I think. But, um... I'll I'll be wearing my toga on the fourth. I don't think anyone else will. But <laughs> I d- yeah, I d- no, no. See, look, now I'm just looking for sympathy as a WrestleMania nine fan. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, me and Colin do a weekly sort of. Uh, we do real time commentary over Monday Night Raw's from the start. He hasn't gotten sick of that yet, and he, I don't think he's gotten quite. <laughs> He hasn't gotten quite sick of me yet, so like I'm just gonna keep pushing that until you know. I wanted him to do WrestleMania nine, but I don't think anyone has three hours to sit and watch <laughs> that. 
with no with no sound because we have to do it without sound. And when we do some of those roles, and like British Beefcake comes out for a ten minute interview, we have like nothing to talk about for, <laughs> for ten minutes, and it's just we can't make an edit because it's meant to be in real time because people are meant to be watching along sort of thing. But yeah, we have fun with it. And um, Colin has a new business as well. He's got a new uh, comic serial sort of pop culture cafe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, called Pop Rock, and that in, that opens this week as well. So, um, awesome. yeah, right. yeah. Well, good luck, good luck to you, Colin. Yeah, good, definitely. Look, we got we got well off track, but um, <laughs> um, this this interview will be um up this Friday. So, um, where can people find your online everything? Because I'll I'll post links below the show as well. Be, uh, you said this will be up on. Okay, I was going to say, you said this will be up on Friday? This will be up on Friday. Okay, cool. Um, well, then on Friday, it's going to be up Friday night, then I guess whatever, what am I doing on Friday? It's, I have progress in that. I have progress that afternoon. I also, you can catch me at uh, Red Pro, I want to say. Or my, what am I doing that Friday? Uh, <laughs> progress, Red Pro, and then I believe Janela's Spring Break. Uh-huh. Um uh, so those those will be pretty cool on Saturday. I have progress in CZW. Um, got them. That that's gonna be awesome. Best the best. The weekend is the weekend after that. Uh, AAW is the day before. Best the best. April thirteenth, April fourteenth. Um, oh wow, that's, these are all awesome stuff going on. But you can follow me online. You can get with it more and more up to date as I uh, remember it better when it comes up to it. <laughs> um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at the Pike DS. My, my Tumblr is the product David Star. Facebook just search David Star. Um, yeah, it's also under quote the product David Star. Uh, uh, do you want to book me? The product David Star at gmail.com. Uh, my website, the product DS.com, which is direct links to both my merchandise orders, bottom line merch.com slash David Star, ProSingTees.com slash David Star. And that's. <laughs> All of it. You're such a pro. You're such a pro. See, and um, before I go, two more questions. Um, how? And I've got to see you next time you hit Newcastle. But uh, how do you rate Newcastle audiences? I like Newcastle. It's a lot of fun there. I like Crescent. Um, I think I've done. I've done Newcastle. I've done Leeds. Um, I've done that. Those are probably my two most pop, most popular. Like the ones I've done the most, uh, as far as up north goes. Oh, nice. um, cool. I like it up there. It's nice. They're, they're good fans. Good, good. And um, as someone uh, who quite arguably appeals to the gay wrestling fan, have you ever had dudes send you dick pics? Have I dudes send me dick pics? I think I might have gotten a dick pic or two. I've definitely gotten, I got one dude who sent me just like like a random message on Facebook. This was like two years ago. Uh And they like sent me, it was like, it's just something like, hey, this and it's like ass worship and it's a picture of the dude taking like a like an ass picture and i was like and what the fuck like it went to my request so i don't think he saw that i saw <laughs> I was like, why would it was just so unsolicited um i haven't i haven't gotten enough dick pics to be like to be like oh man i get dick pics no i thought i probably have gotten a couple though <laughs> there's a uh, there's a really funny uh tweet that made made the rounds of uh it's a it's a picture of randy orton stood on the top rope and he's sort of bent over and there's a tweet underneath messaging him saying i want to put my dick in your ass and randy orton replies to it and he just says no thank you 
So, you know, he's, he's very polite. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. And on that, on that very classy note, um, <laughs> thank you because you're you're incredibly busy and you're injured and you've got all kinds of things going on. Uh, thank you for spending some time again on uh, Turn Chuckle, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Maybe next time you're in Newcastle, maybe we can do this in person. That'd be cool. I'm sure, that'd be great. So I would say make negotiations while the show's running, and then it's like a verbal contract. And then if you back out, then you know. Then you you're the heel basically. Sure. Well, I, well I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm, I mean, like I'm down to do it. I think the next time I'm in Newcastle is uh, for April 28th. Oh, nice. That's a lot sooner than I thought. Yeah, April 28th I'm in Newcastle. Yeah. Holy shit! You can't keep away from the place. Like, no, come on. Nice. You know, I'm back and forth all the time. Nice. And best thing about the O2 Academy is that there's an ice cream uh, place just over the road. So. What? I don't know if it's in the new. I think it's either in the O2 Academy or it's in the uh, Northumbria. Oh, the university, university uh, student union. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's one or the other. Those are usually where they run in Newcastle. I've seen some great shows there. So you know, either either place is really cool. So I will see you at one of those places. But again, thank you to the product, David Starr, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.